a topic which is uh, mostly very lightly touched and um, I think it is very of great value for those especially who are working in relationship um, are working with human beings, with human minds and their suffering and their um, kind of troubles and also um, I chose it because it is also giving us in or is connected to one of the three natural laws under which we are a kind of um, um, living when being short of enlightenment and that is called dukkha and that is called dissatisfaction and pain and um, my talk is connected to that to pain <coughs> that is created by the negligence of what the Buddha calls five precepts or moral code or sila when if you recall my first uh, talk that was on Friday night we took refuge and with it we com we committed after we did speak uh, the refuge uh, got aware of um, that uh, it is a place um, <coughs> of abiding uh, we um, committed ourselves to a certain um, conduct to a certain behavior to um, which is we can is called in the in the Buddha language sila. It is at the same time to be found as a very important part and the beginning part of what he what is known as the eightfold path that is divided into three sections uh, and is offered then to us as a practice we already are practicing within this realm of the eightfold path and <coughs> we are practicing with um, the um, faculty of mindfulness or attention we mentioned concentration and also we realized we have to make a wonderful effort in order to balance our mindfulness and uh, this is uh, the part which is called the spiritual practice part and uh, the first uh, that rests upon what is called sila a certain purity and uh, and cl cl cleanness I would say or wholeness it comes into our actions and um, we, so through following uh, the precepts and it can uh, comes to us maybe as, as a field in which we train and call it becoming becoming conscious in our conduct conscious conduct or virtuous conduct or moral uh, following a moral code means really 
at its ultimate meaning, um, uh, moving uh, uh, with care toward a life that is without harm, toward the life <coughs> with care, with reverence. In all, uh, in all spiritual systems and religions, <coughs> such we will find such a section called uh, commitment to um, conscious conduct or to sila. And it is very essential to look into this field, for as we will find out <coughs> and have perhaps already, it is um, in that field we call in our, uh, when we look at our life <coughs> and want to characterize it, what are the most important features we want to, to deal with and to understand more deeply. One is dukkha, one, and this <coughs> conscious conduct section called Cecilia has very much to do. It is, <coughs> is all the activity of our, our lives and it is absolute essential that we are um, a kind of establishing a moral, moral life. I have to turn it on. Also, in a moral life a life that does not do any harm to myself and others. So <clears throat> its development, uh, in order to develop it more thoroughly and becoming uh, more aware uh, of its um, potency in terms of harm and uh, pain and hurt, we have um, uh, to look into it. It becomes in that way the basis for our, not only for our practice, but also for our life. Creates a certain balance and calm and purity. If we are engaged in actions that cause pain and conflict for myself and others, it is impossible to find some quiet in that uh, a kind of mind, in that we cannot settle, we are, um, cannot collect ourselves, for it has rebound bad actions, harmful actions to myself, also to others. Remorse comes in and regret and so on. So um, it is tremendously interfering with, with a calmness and harmony in our spiritual development. The focusing the mind uh, will have, we will have great difficulties. It is um, also impossible actually for the heart to open and to become um, more harmonious and uh, kind. The heart stands not for this beating physical instrument, but it starts, stands for the fine, wholesome qualities of the mind, or states of mind. 
So uh, to a mind that is grounded in such a, a, a kind of a harmful activities and uh, is, um, is uh, not uh, allowing a good practice, a harmonious practice uh, for us to occur. Um, to a mind, however, that is not, that is grounded in harmony and in uh, selflessness, un- unselfishness, and maybe um, in openness of heart and uh, uh, more calmness, there is possible to concentrate the mind and to develop all the um, progressive states of mind from good concentrated and mindful m- mindful and mindfulness, good concentration and mindfulness. The Buddha outlined um, five uh, areas as a basis, <coughs> a basic morality, and uh, that leads um, uh, us to a conscious life. If we become aware of it, these trainings, they are called the five precepts, they are not to be understood as commandments like we have in our, in, in the Christian um, religion. It is here a greater space provided for failure without being in shame and without being condemned. That's a big difference. It is rather given more in that attitude. If you see it is good, it brings good results and you benefit on, uh, in terms of harmony and more loving and kindness, then please follow these precepts and take them as your company rather than as your commandments. Even precept is a sharp word. It's, um, I think, a wonderful guide for a quiet, harmonious life as guidelines. Hmm? They are not absolute commandments that is, should be really deeply understood. <clears throat> and they are actually, as I said, practical guidelines and help us, therefore, to live a harmonious life and help us to develop peace of mind and calmness and, at the wider space, <coughs> power of mind. A mind that is free from unwholesomeness is powerful, powerful in a different way than we may. <clears throat> it's, um, it knows what it is doing in understanding one's own wholesome and harmonious life. There comes a, a, a certain um, um, good feeling from it an appreciation for yourself. I would even say self-esteem has its roots here. So as we work with these precepts and with these um, guiding uh, guidelines, we discover 
that they are not just for us, uh, that they are not just in Buddhism and in Buddha's teaching to be found. They are actually universal practices and um, we find them in all culture in some way or in another not just only in spiritual practices but also in cultures are they be found for cultures are human beings comprised of human beings as human beings we fail living in harmony we hurt each other and ourselves so the cultures have because of that assumed guidelines precepts commandments and uh, other names may be there for it. And they are uh, for us a very basic, uh, a part of basic mindfulness practice and can be cultivated in our spiritual life for they are becoming a basis for calm and harmony. So it is not something just to overlook it has uh, its great benefit to be uh, to penetrate with our understanding and our mindfulness and our grasping the the the, the ultimate uh, benefit of it and purpose. Just the first precept is to refrain refrain from killing. Of course, we don't anymore. We even are kind to small life forms. But, you know, it means in the positive way, if I refrain from taking life, doesn't mean I give life, but I protect life. I honor life. I respect it, and I would not do it any harm means also not acting out of hatred and aversion in such a way as to cause harm uh, uh, to any any living creature. So it's quite um, a, a broad in a broad way to to kind of comprehend it. Just let's take if we would all agree throughout the world to this alone, to this precept, how much more harmony would be there? Would make an enormous difference. Even wars couldn't be there. No criminal acts of killing and shooting and so on. It's enormous. So in, in the Eightfold Path, if we would talk, you, we find the, again this aspect to be considered in the section Sila. And it is called there, <coughs> it's, a, it's a section, it's called their right action. But some features we talk, <coughs> which we find here, like one is right speech, we find there again. So it uh, is um, obviously very of great importance to take that into our heart and look deeply. That is actually the main feature of our practice. I think I said it this morning, what it means be paying attention. It isn't superficially. The 
feature of mindfulness and conscious awareness is taking the object, taking the thing to which I want to look and going deeper and deeper and deeper, penetrate into more aspects of that focus in this way now the first precept, the second precept, or what we did this afternoon, deeper and deeper. We were sitting on our sitting bones. Have you ever sat so long on the floor like that? And what did we do? We didn't get more well, maybe there was some discomfort, but we developed our awareness and made it steady. We had a focus our body on the floor and we moved in different ways and um, stayed with it, penetrated more and learned at least one thing that there is a depth in this body which you can really kind of touch and realize when we lowered slowly our weight upon the floor back after we had raised it and saw how it witnessed the surrender of the weight gradually coming to the floor till the whole body and weight was set. There was an enormous depth, inner inner feeling, inner access for us for perceiving sensations we we not ordinarily would perceive. So it was. <clears throat> And then we had at the same time the benefit of learning how to stay a little bit more constant to the object we are choosing. That is another aspect of going deeper. So, um, so we will work here with these precepts, uh, with this first one I um, to get rid also of our hatred or look deeper into it and realize how harmful it is and uh, um, brings respect for life and reverence about to our own life, to others. And um, we stop uh, more and more by staying with it and looking into it, how we can refine ourselves in it, uh, bring more, um, creating um, less pain for ourselves and others. So then let's go to the second precept in this field of conscious conduct. It is um, asking us to refrain from, plainly from stealing. And that is meaning that I refrain from taking what is not mine, what doesn't belong to me. Not to take and not to steal is uh, actually the act of non-harming. Also, we don't harm, everyone has a certain attachment to that what they own and sometimes with great effort and labor attained And uh, now when it is taken away, it could be even something very um, essential to their life. <coughs> if you take somebody's tools, um, 
uh, and it has happened to be here is a, a person is a, a craftsman or um, whatever he will um, obviously be hurt and uh, when he discovers his tools his livelihood in a way is gone he has to provide again for it has to work more so not to steal is also called non-harming we need to let go our greed here or to be greedy and to want more and above more above that what we own not accumulating our possessions by uh, of some other uh, uh, some things that belong to other people more positively um, it means to use that what we have with great care and sensitivity and we treat our other uh, possessions uh, and things uh, they, they own or possess with uh, certain sensitivity and respectfulness and in that we develop at the same time the sense of sharing so that is the opposite of taking it is the sense of sharing we are generous developing the sense of um, uh, is a, of, of sharing think of our planet that has so many things offered to us which are just offered freely but if we become greedy <coughs> and to take too much for ourselves like water or, 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 or use it carelessly above need or the forests we are uh, hurting the earth and hurting ultimately ourselves sharing the resources I would say um, is here called to our attention and to use them in a very respectful way which is maybe for us many have already done and are quite aware of it I myself am an ardent uh, member of the Green Party, so to speak, um, uh, very active in the environmental issues. And uh, so there you um, learn to be, very, among other things, to be careful with the water and to be careful <coughs> with uh, the air, not adding uh, things <coughs> uh, in, with which we can, from which um, bad fuels come and uh, um, poisonous uh, uh, substances and that is what is happening on our world right now in the industry and in the business in many professions uh, they have nothing to do except with really transgressing on this precept taking too much and being greedy for personal advantages you see <coughs> with this we learn a kind of a reverence again to and respectfulness uh, to the earth after all we are somehow children of the earth I would say 
and uh, we go back to earth, whether they are earning, burning you, or whether they are putting you into the earth and digging you up in the earth. And for other reasons, we live on the earth, we live with the earth, we share it, we are a member of the earth. So I think if we could communicate to people where you see um, they are uh, not aware of this aspect, we could uh, very, I think, without much difficulty, in a way of understanding uh, their greedy actions and through right understanding, this whole issue of not taking what is not given. Hmm? And we could uh, aflame other hearts this way for greater sensitivity and respectfulness. Hmm? <clears throat> so this is actually, we're talking about the real sense of ecology, I would say. It's also a contribution to world peace. And uh, we are, also, it's also, um, we're talking about connectedness, reverence and, uh, and uh, sensitivity and respectfulness for life, not being greedy and being generous instead, is, um, is a connection we are creating. It's a, uh, not it's not much difference the connection we are creating with ourselves. In fact, they both go together. The more we connect here, the more we will connect in our lives around us. In terms now with um, this second precept. Now, from the sense of connectedness, <coughs> we can also at the same time develop and open up our heart to helpfulness and greater uh, uh, graciousness and in giving and generosity. Now we have to cultivate that. It's not just to talk about it. The Buddha gives us uh, several issues or examples and Rosalie for it is such an important part in our human development and awakening to the good good things, the more wholesomeness. So it becomes then the development of generosity a part of our spiritual training. And with practice, um, it's um, the spirit of, of generosity of giving open will then determine our and influence enormously wholesomely our wholesomeness uh, our actions and our heart and uh, we open up more become stronger in this kind of pure pure atmosphere where we learn also not to hold on rather letting go and giving. It can lead us really to new levels of 
of happiness, I would say. Feeling your generosity and seeing how much goodness or how it touches people around you or how good effort effects come when we do that in terms of our connection to the earth. It gives a wonderful happiness. It is a certain deeper contentment comes in when we see ourselves functioning in wholeness, in this case, in generosity. The Buddha emphasized the importance of generosity when he said, if you knew what I know about the power of giving, you would not let a single meal pass without sharing it in some way. You see, that was 2,500 years ago, sharing a meal was an important thing. Hmm. It wasn't so plentiful, and they didn't have to, they didn't have uh, cars to share, or bicycles, they didn't need, they were very poor in, in one way, they supplied only with the necessities, and sharing food was an act of great generosity because it was sparse. So, um, so, um, and even if it isn't, we, how we bring that um, into our uh, practice, we cannot do that today in that, literally in that way, sharing my meal, although there are sometimes um, occasion arising where we could do that. So traditional, um, the Buddha um, uh, traditionally spoke about uh, there are three kinds of uh, giving described where we are encouraged to begin and developing generosity. At first we have, and we all have gone through these uh, forms of giving, it's called the tentative uh, uh, giving. It is that, what I call this hesitation. You look at it, yeah, you felt that, in, that inclination, that impulse to give, but then suddenly you realize, well, maybe not this year, maybe next year. Hmm? And you may then even really hold to that uh, resolve next year. And maybe still there is some hesitation, but maybe the resolve you did was helpful for letting go. And then, although it isn't in that great gesture of generosity, it's a hesitating one, but it finally lets go, even that level is very positive. We shouldn't uh, kind of belittle it. It creates, to, to some extent, and sometimes to a large extent, great joy for the one who receives your gift now. It's a sharing. You see, sharing also connects, really. And it is um, the aspect of generosity contributes in an enormous way to friendliness and inter good interaction. No one likes a miser, misery, miser as a friend. One is stingy and, and cannot let go any. Very difficult sometimes to, to deal with such a partner. And it does injure a little bit whilst 
generosity does injure the flowingness and harmony in the, of the relationship, while generosity can always redo it. It's always renewing itself to the act of generosity. Then there is another form of giving that is called friendly giving. And you have found yourself doing that too, but maybe not so conscious and awarely, but maybe we can, as we take it up as our practice, we will now realize friendly giving. I have something which is kind of close to me, but it is like uh, you give it away like in a family. You know it is staying in the family hmm? and it gives joy. Friendly giving, like sometimes, I don't know whether you had a friend, uh, great attitude and friendly attitude and friendliness in your family between the siblings, your sisters or brothers, or your um, between you and your children, or so any family. But there is that giving, that openness in a family, if it's a functional family. And uh, it's friendly giving. So you share openly your time, you offer your time for, if that can be of help, uh, for somebody you, uh, you give um, that what you cherish maybe and what uh, you want to give away just because you want to make joy. And it's again, um, as the Buddha said, if you knew as I now know what a wonderful feeling comes from the sense of generosity and giving, here you're experiencing it and you do it actually for that purpose, partially. Even if you think you wanted to get rid of it, but then the attitude plays a great role. You honor now that what you give away. Also, you don't need it anymore, but the honor is there. You have had it for a while, now you give it to the next. You see, this is all, we always talk about this inner thing of, of becoming more whole, of connecting more to the good actions, to the good attitudes, and, 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 and spreading in that way um, the friendliness and, and, and uh, kindness around us as we are developing it in ourselves and generosity plays a great role in this developing happiness and um, and uh, harmony so if <clears throat> it is our relationship to this changing life we are leading that determines our happiness and not the things we possess. That is much more. So we can realize that more and more. We are also more open in sharing and giving away. Happiness comes from the heart with the act of giving. Friendly giving is the second one. The third one level of giving is called the kingly giving or queenly giving. It is uh, not anymore even that you just want to make joy and feel you like 
to have the same joy of that what you possess, that joy you give now to someone else. It is more coming now out of a wider spaciousness of openness, where you really recognize, um, and when you give it away, that is the act to do right now. I feel sometimes there as though in those moments from then in which this kind of giving come, takes place, that it comes from the energy itself that is giving and generosity. It's not mine anymore. It's almost like mine has subsided. It is just the space of, of generosity acting and performing, creating relationship. It's a beautiful thing to learn. All of them is wonderful learning and uh, from all we are attaining uh, um, happiness and some joy. But this one is a very deep one. As we learn to now to be more, uh, to be more generous and and come gradually into this uh, total giving. You give your time where you see it is necessary. Maybe you give your time for your uh, friend who has five little children and you offer yourself to be babysitting. Hmm? Or you offer your time for taking a, a person out that cannot move so freely outside, going into the outside, into a park or into just to step out. <clears throat> so um, in that we are kind of losing also our image. Um, we not uh, kind of are anymore that generous person or that one which gives freely and likes to give. It is just responding rightly to them, that what arises around you and where you can let generosity come into action and create this, um, this, um, this atmosphere, create a, a connection in this way. You don't even create that anymore. It, it, is, a, it is a connecting atmosphere. It's not does it need anymore, it is a responding from the gen generousness of your heart. It is a mental factor, generosity. It is a state of mind. We will talk about another unity of Buddha's teaching, like the um, ten perfections. One of them is generosity. So it occurs in various uh, places in the Buddha teaching. He knew we have to learn to, it is trainable, and we have to uh, um, take it into our training and practice again and again to stay with it on course. We forget about it too. So that is kind of maybe enough to understand the power of practicing this kind of openness. It's very special, I think, to be able to practice 
consciously with this um, a, a precept, with um, it's a privilege actually to be able when you come uh, more into that more genuine giving, it's a privilege to be able to uh, uh, give your generosity, to share it, and to bring it into your life. But it, since it is in your life, you bring it actually into other lives, just by being that model, not by teaching. Don't you be a Buddhist. And we would imitate, be a Buddha. The Buddha gives nothing to hold on. So, and that, by that I want to say, if you want to be somebody more generous, and you see that it's not moving there, you cannot, uh, it's best to be the model rather than to be the teacher. Hmm? And that is what I meant, be a Buddha, not a Buddhist. Don't teach but actualize that what the Buddha asks, uh, 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 calls us for. He doesn't say you should do it. These are precepts and training. He knows we will fail. Any big resolve will not hold up too long. So failing forgetfulness is allowed, but not staying there continuing and picking it up again. That is the feature of training, the third precept. Now we leave the second one, generosity. The third is um, of conscious conduct is to refrain from false speech. Well, I didn't really didn't need to talk much about that. We fail a lot here. Hmm? That is one of the most uh, 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 most uh, frequently and uh, uh, neglected precept and in which or is the most the precept in which we mostly fail so on one of course we don't lie sometimes only emergency lying we have a, a few we have a few excuses for it and justifications but you know, when we really deeply look, we don't need to do that. We can also allow sometimes to let, let it open. Speak only what is true, says the Buddha, and useful. Speak wisely and responsible and appropriately. Right speech really poses to us the question, um, how shall I use my words? And how can I not be harmful in it? How can I let the speech uh, uh, establish itself or form itself that contributes to harmony and to non-harming? We spend a lot of time where we do transgress by uh, talking and un analyzing too much. Too much reading goes on it. And when we talk, no, that is not talking. I mean uh, too much talking, sometimes just because I feel uncomfortable not to talk. Sometimes we just kill time to talk something. 
Can you imagine kill time? Hmm? What a harsh word. word. So we analyze, we talk about things, we discuss again and again, and we gossip a lot and we plan a lot. That is um, talking. And most of it, if we look closer, would be not would um, be not necessary. And most of it is also very unconscious. That means if I become aware of what I am talking and what an effect it has to those types of consciousness I talk with, um, I would become more careful because here I can realize maybe I talk too 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 strong, too direct, uh, not true, and. Uh, um, and too uh, forceful, and with that, always these things we um, can um, do some hurt and some harm, if not harm, but hurt. Align our principle or our speech also to to um, more to truthfulness. That means not exaggerating or not diminishing if you make a report of something, but more to the facts. Not <clears throat> and um, so a speech done, we can see which is helpful. Um, is, um, so we can practice here also and undertake it as our training. Become aware of speech. That is not that easy, especially whilst we are speaking. Sometimes it's helpful to notice the intent of speaking and what I'm going to say. So to we discover here, I think, very much the power of speech. It has a power to bring unwholesomeness, harmfulness, hurt, insult about, and it has the power to bring harmony about and and connectedness can be used actually as a medium for medium for connecting and communication there is a fine story going along um, among teachers when they talk about it right speech uh, which talks about the power, or gives us an example of the power of speech, positive or negative. There is uh, the scene uh, with a master who has been called uh, to uh, set uh, to heal something which was in disorder on mental level, hmm? and um, he um, kind of. Um, Oh no, it's a sick, I think it was chick, sick child, yeah, crying and upset and painful. And so here is a master called that shall heal. And what he did, he was speaking um, a soft words, so perhaps blessings or metta. And uh, um, there was in that company, <coughs> in that family um, member who watched that and became very skeptical 
of it and uh, um, expressed also uh, the, the, on its, his doubt and skepticism about the potency of healing or the effectiveness of healing. So in the middle of this master doing these uh, healing rituals uh, with speech and uh, blessings and so on, he expressed this <coughs> skeptic, skeptic uh, um, attitude and uh, doubt. And um, the master turns to him and says, you know nothing about it, what I am doing. Nothing about these matters of he. You are quite an ignorant fool. And you can imagine the skeptic, it's ruffle, he, he ruffles his feathers, becomes red in his face, and is very angry, full of anger. And before he could speak again, the master says, Oh, if a pointing out to his uh, excitement and his anger, if a word can bring you and change you to such an anger, uh, a word can also can come and do and heal. It can do harm and it can heal. It depends how we are using the words. If one word can heal, another word can do harm. To make it clear him, that is maybe <coughs> good to understand. That is the power of speech. It can heal. Think of our meta meditation. And um, is very healing. Think of anger, in which you communicate to your friend, it's very harmful. And it is the result, or resulting from speech, from words. So, to be mindful now, we are asked to be, and to be honest in our speech, and um, uh, to be um, aware of what we are speech, uh, speaking and becoming aware through mindfulness <coughs> of the effect of our speech on other uh, human beings and even animals <coughs> are reacting to speech. If you have soft speech to your dog, it's, it's, it's uh, communicating happiness with its tail wagging. And if you are harsh and angry to the dog, it goes away and contracts the power of speech. Fourth precepts, well, that is another delicate field of our life in which we can transgress and um, or in which is very much transgressed. That is the precept of to refrain from sexual misconduct. 
it reminds us here to act out, not bro um, you know, instinctively our sexual desires. We begin to understand that or know that it is doing harm to both parties. It requires now in this precept that we are very responsible in our intimate life, that we are honest in our sexual relationship, that we are caring and careful with sexual energy. It's kind of a very powerful energy. We shouldn't just put it down. We, not, we put nothing down in when we are bringing mindfulness in. We just know it's there. Watch it with a quiet, uncriticizing mind if you feel that energy rising in you. It's a very powerful one, I said. Why? Because it is also connected to the kind of, uh, um, what shall I say, next generation. It's life power. Hmm? It's the power by which we are multiplying giving way to the next generation. <clears throat> so there is always a third person involved in our sexual relationship. In these times <clears throat> where the, ta the values are changing so rapidly, and especially among rela in relationships, we are asked especially, I think, to be very careful and becoming aware of this power in us, how it can forge us uh, when we are not aware to what painful and hurtful um, actions. If we associating this energy in our life in in our lives with greed and with uh, uh, this feeling of I need more pleasantness, more gratification, and we are um, um, we are doing harm, and uh, nothing works in our relation, in our intimate relationship. In this, we can become exploitive and greedy, compulsive and harmful. Think of raping, of child abuse, all this goes into it. Um, of course we may already have enormously looked into it and are not in any way touched by it. But what we can maybe uh, develop here as we look deeper into it and understand it, that it is also life force which forges people into these unwholesome, act, harmful actions in them, uh, is that we begin to maybe let go of less criticizing and hate towards, we can develop compassion and understanding. It is what is happening is the transgression on precepts. There are no bad people I feel there are bad actions, and that is a wonderful distinction to make. I'm not we are not talking about it to be angry and hateful to this uh, transgression, 
speak and create such such uh, harmfulness. Um, there is great, great suffering created and is consequent from uh, these uh, these actions. We call now in a collective word misconduct, sexual misconduct, transgression on the precept. So here the um, the spirit of the precepts now through our awareness asks us to look at our motivations behind the actions. To pay attention now allows us to be more, uh, as I already said, spacious and not condemn those who can transgress and maybe to become more accurate and more sensitive and more refined in in our own uh, intimate relationship. We bring more effort in through our awareness and to develop gradually by paying attention to our intimacy more um, bring more our heart in more authentic genuine loving kindness and love and connectedness maybe more more commitment commitment to our partner and more uh, of of faithfulness or fidelity all these things are if they are not followed they are transgression uh, in this precept in fidelity so and if we fail in whatever <coughs> um, 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 ways um, to forgive ourselves is important and to really take another course then and become more awake to the enormous harm can you imagine if we could all be very straight and very, very uh, um, authentic in our love and connectedness, in our intimate relationship. What a difference it would make on in our societies. And that doesn't mean that you have to stick together with your uh, uh, partner. But when it is time to part. Uh, or, or when you see it's not going to be open and move into the with sensitivity, respectfulness and uh, uh, courage I would say every part takes every partner takes its own part in this act of parting and finishing the relationship and then there can <coughs> we can open up uh, um, we, we have not interrupted life, we have uh, um, acted in dignity and in alignment with the precept. In gentleness, in, of, in openness, generosity, we let go. It's just... <clears throat> and in this way, uh, we, we see that we can... It is really um, trainable, our life, 
on these levels, not just uh, train our mind by paying attention to sensations, on, on re- real uh, levels of life, daily, day-to-day life. We can t- train and be mindful, can train the mind, can train the heart, um, just uh, as we here shared. So, um, mind, uh, uh, conscious, consciousness, mindfulness in sexuality, in our intimacy, is an essential part of living uh, mindful, of living in our spiritual practices. We can also here um, develop and come to understand and become maybe more aware what a beautiful thing an intimate relationship can be when we are aware and sensitive to each other and, uh, and, and tender and committed and honest. Um, there is certain uh, beauty is touched in our heart very deeply. And um, that is what we can see mindful living. So let's go to the last one. I hope I am not over time. I usually am. How, how? Yeah, the last one, the fifth precept. Well, it means to avoid intoxicants, and it it, uh, um, it means also to avoid um, um, kind of uh, well all kinds of intoxicants like alcohol, really and directly, and things in the way they are. Alcohol and uh, any kind of intoxicants and uh, drugs. Uh, give a kind of a veil over the mind and uh, um, and uh, prevent direct seeing, seeing it as it is. We have a lot of people in this country who are addicted, so to speak, to alcohol and, uh, and um, um, drugs, millions, and think of all this which is created and harm in their families. Some are even um, <clears throat> locked up in prisons for trafficking. Trafficking. So it is um, to live in uh, in clarity. We have to let go of these, <clears throat> and uh, um, it uh, pre- prevents uh, human beings. Of um, of um, um, of fear and guilt feelings and um, releases and uh, prevents us from deep deep grief and harm uh, or pain. Now I think. Um, We can also 
when we are practicing, going, we, we know we don't take any drugs anymore, and maybe we take uh, you know, alcohol anymore, but we can attach ourselves to other little drugs like sweets and like uh, a coffee or strong teas. <coughs> they have uh, somehow a subtle influence upon us in the negative way. If it isn't on our mind right away, <coughs> it is on our body, but it is also on the mind because we are grasping for it again and again hmm? and developing somehow in a, that's a, a addiction. So, um, unconsciousness, <coughs> unconscious consumption of these things, uh, like tea or sweets or, um, or any or wine or any little alcohol, um, it can, uh, well, it's, uh, put into consideration, make it conscious and balanced, then we become more moderate and can wean ourselves totally away or be more balanced. It's not that you should not take a sweet, you shouldn't take a glass of wine, but you should be more, more aware and uh, realize the effect of it and when we notice it is in some way negative or uh, blurring our our perception, then it's time to to reduce it, to let go. So what we are developing by paying attention to the precepts and taking them into our realm of life, day-to-day life, (coughs) is uh, we are developing more our humanity in us. Uh, developing more a complete and a wholesome being that is not uh, living uh, uh, in, in and uh, creating harm. It's more and more on all these five levels, on speech, on sharing, on um, uh, intimacy and reverence to life, a relationship to life, um, we develop a more wholesome, uh, harmonious human being. More quiet comes in, less uh, regret, less um, <coughs> we over, we less uh, guilt. We become free of this, of fear also. We uh, build up and cultivate more our human goodness, not to say humanity. And then it has a marvelous effect. We are contributing that way to peace in a very peaceful way. We're contributing um, um, and um, we invite through our human upright conduct others to follow without preaching. There is a great attraction to human beings who are living the pure and virtuous way. And you become inadvertently then a wonderful model or a wonderful effect just by you establishing more and more this 
humanity in us. And in this way, on one level, we see our great, we see a value in our lives, a meaning, just on that level, and we create at the same time a wonderful foundation provide we in that way for our more refined spiritual work called um, development of mindfulness but looking to the precepts and look watching is is also giving us the opportunity to be mindful so it is a spiritual practice being attentive to these precepts in us and um, um, when we see them around us, we don't need to condemn and to criticize. We can be dignified in our attitude towards it. We can be generous, open, and with, with respect, knowing there was no other way of doing not that unwholesomeness, so to speak. Hmm? we see it as a transgression on the precept rather than a bad a person who is doing wrong things. And in that we are um, developing our heart and our loving kindness and our compassion very naturally. Well, have a good journey with it. Enjoy the day practice with it and the refining can become finer and finer. Sadhu 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 Now we walk, yeah? We have a little shorter time but that isn't so we have half an hour yet now to walk. Yeah. So instead of three quarter. Stay in here. We do what we did yesterday, wake up a little bit, walk around. Hmm? And that will keep our, our spirit up. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.